it. Welcome to episode 85 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, you, of course, know that I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. If you're new around here, though, you don't know me, so let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not head on over to Twitter? And give me a follow over there. Reach out to me. Send me questions, comments, concerns, topics, or reviews for the show. And I will happily bring them on. Anything you want to talk about as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch 2 beta, uh, the lore of Overwatch, the characters of Overwatch, the gameplay of Overwatch, the Overwatch League, uh, anything like that. Or maybe you want to just talk about Blizzard games. Or maybe you want to just talk about video games in general. Please hit me up on Twitter at SirDRJM. And I would love to bring that onto the show. Now you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course... I also encourage you to check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, available on podcast services everywhere. Now, on this week's episode, we do have a lighter uh, news cycle this week, so we don't have a ton to talk about, so I thought we might actually do something a little bit more interesting uh, towards the end of the show. And of course, being a Canadian Overwatch uh, podcast, we're actually going to do what we did uh, sort of previous to the mid-season madness tournament cycle, and we're going to look at what the Toronto Defiant have in store for them in the future going forward for the rest of the season, uh, summer showdown, and beyond. So, if that all sounds interesting to you, if that all sounds okay with you, well, first of all, head on over to Twitter and tweet at me, at SirDrJM, and let me know. But if it doesn't sound good to you, well, why not just listen on, and we'll see how it turns out. A second chance! All right, so our first story is actually going to kick things off over at Dexerto.com with an article by Michael Gwilliam last updated August 23rd. So I think this article is actually a little bit older than uh, than this uh, sort of indicates. Um, however, I'm going to report on it. I think I saw it last week and I just didn't stick it in the show because last week's show uh, was a little heavier on the news side of things. Given that we are a little lighter, though, I'm going to throw this one in there. So this one actually reads, Overwatch players think Blizzard is teasing Overwatch 2 Fox support hero reveal. Players were shocked to learn that, contrary to popular belief, there won't be a third beta before the game's launch, and they'd be stuck waiting to try out the third hero scheduled to debut at launch. Not much is known about this mysterious third hero uh, far aside from suggestions that they might be some sort of fox or have a fox ability which includes a speed boost mechanic. The second Overwatch 2 beta ended with a cryptic me message hinting at the arrival of a fox hero, but since then it's been radio silence. However, some fans think that has changed. In a tweet for the ongoing Anniversary Volume 3 event, the Overwatch account promoted a Hanzo skin challenge and drew attention to the Kanazaka Deathmatch map, a location connected to the Fox Hero. Quote, Hanzo told us to tell you to meet him in Kanazaka this week. Sounded pretty important, end quote. The post reads. They've then, of course, got the uh, tweet embedded there, and it continues to read, uh, sounded pretty important, continues, Don the Kiyogoshiya, Kiyogosha, sorry, Hanzo, Epic Skin, complete challenges and earn rewards now through August 30th. Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 3 is now live. The video also hones in on graffiti, something that former Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan hinted could include important story bits. The vandalism in question contains the word yokai, which is a Japanese word for supernatural spirits, often with animal forms. Players began taking this to suggest that Blizzard could have something planned for Gamescom or a bit down the road. Quote, almost like there's a fox girl we should meet there, end quote, one player remarked. On Reddit, fans continued speculating, noticing the strange wording of the tweet. Quote, there's a weird emphasis on this one, and people are right to be suspicious, end quote. A user observed, quote, that does sound like a reveal to me, end quote, said another. As always, fans might be best not to get ahead of themselves at the risk of being disappointed. But with Overwatch 2's release fast approaching, we shouldn't have wait long to wait for the fox hero reveal even if it's not exactly coming this week. So anyways, uh, as I mentioned, that article actually comes from a little bit, uh, a couple weeks back, um, though it was updated recently. The reason I kind of wanted to bring this up is because uh, Jeff Keighley's uh, 
opening night live uh, at Gamescom did happen this past weekend, uh, as well as, of course, Gamescom, a large uh, gaming convention over in Berlin, something like that, over in Germany, I believe it was. Um, if you give me like two seconds here, I can actually find out. Um, but I digress. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Germany. No, that's not where I wanted. No, no, no. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, everything I'm reading just says Germany for some reason. Like you, you couldn't, it might be in Cologne, actually. It could be in Cologne. That could be right. Anyways, I digress. Um, point is, I think uh, this article kind of hints at the fact that we thought we might get more news uh, around Overwatch 2 at Gamescom. Of course, we did not. That It did turn out that there was nothing announced, uh, no new news, no big reveals, no shocking twists and turns, no revelations around said Fox hero. So for now, all we are left with is, of course, the graffiti there, which actually, if you look at the graffiti in the Kanazaka map, it does actually like have a fox kind of in it. Uh, there's there's one little sort of top left area where like you can pretty clearly see sort of a fox with fox ears and little eyes and a nose and that kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, in, in the videos there, we've also seen this uh, sort of blue-spirited fox hopping around, uh, which people speculate either is a part of the hero, is uh, an ability of the hero's, is, um, you know, I don't know, related to the hero in some way. So what it could be, who knows, yet to be determined. Um, I know there have been rumblings that it's going to be another support hero, given the last uh, support hero we got, I believe, was Moira, and that was a while back now. Moira was, what, 20, 2019? Let's find out. Let's take a quick look at that. Moira, release date, Overwatch. Moira came out on, oh wow, 2017. Wow, wow, what is time, hey? 2017 Moira came out. Um, and Anna, of course, was uh, one of the first uh, heroes released. And she was, of course, a support hero. But she also was even before that. So, oh, looks, look, like, look at that. Moira was announced at BlizzCon 2017 as the game's 26th hero on November 3rd, 2017. Um, and was added for all regions on November 16th, 2017. So there you go. So Moira was the most recent support hero. Other than that, we've not had a support hero in a long time. Of course, we've seen a few DPS with, um, you know, in, in the recent game uh, with the likes of Echo, and then, of course, in the new game with the likes of Sojourn. And then on the tank side, we, of course, saw who I believe was the uh, just before Echo um, was the most recent character just before Echo we saw Sigma come out and then of course now we have the Junker Queen as well joining the fray uh, in Overwatch 2 so support is the one category that is seemingly neglected these days um, and it would be really exciting to see them really kind of beef up that support role obviously it would be great to see them beef up support and tank uh, at this point though I think supports have been neglected for a little bit little bit longer and could use some attention there although obviously i know that you know the the role is pretty solid and there are some really fun fun heroes in there and some uh some very uh, utilitous heroes as well um obviously you know you do have uh one of probably arguably one of the best characters in the games in the game in terms of skill um with anna and and a few others that are just interesting and fun in the support category so i digress Always exciting to hear about and see new heroes, and it'll really be exciting to find out what the deal with Mr. or Miss or ambiguous Fox hero turns out to be. All right, so I fully admit that that story I kind of stuck in here because I didn't talk about it the other week, um, and it is a little bit filler, but I do like speculating on uh, what might be going on with, uh, you know, character reveals, heroes, and things like that, um, especially as they tie into the lore and everything like that in Overwatch. I uh, I quite enjoy that aspect of things, and I'm really looking forward to them building out and expanding on the lore and, and how these characters tie into one another, how they relate to each other, how they work with each other, uh, really the story and the meat and potatoes behind them, um, as well as, you know, how that all ties into the maps and locations that we're seeing, right? Um, I think with uh, with the story content coming in, in Overwatch 2 and everything, we're only going to see more of a connection between characters and uh, things that are ongoing um, and sort of that environmental storytelling uh, tying together uh, things and pieces of the map and things like that. So 
Kanazaka obviously is going to be fairly, uh, I think, fairly significant. Um, it has obvious ties to the Hanamura map, uh, which actually, of course, will be going away. Um, you know, we're no longer going to have that game mode anymore, but I suspect they're going to uh, tie that uh, Hanamura map into some, if not some some single player, uh, or I guess not single player, some of the uh, PVE content. Um, I think they'll they'll probably bring it back in some way, shape, or form, whether it be a, a deathmatch uh, version of the map or uh, just for those arcade game modes, um, or potentially they'll rework it and uh, bring in some some other game modes into that map. So now our next article is going to take us over to dotesports.com. This time on August twenty sixth, Liz Richardson writes an article which reads, San Francisco Shock breaks Overwatch League regular season win record. Many Overwatch League teams have broken, or invented, records over the past five years from fastest map completion times to consecutive stage championships. The San Francisco Shock have been a part of a fair number of these records, and the team can now add another accolade to the list. With 20 wins, the tw- uh, sorry, with 20 wins, the 2022 San Francisco Shock, with a small contribution from the 2021 roster, has broken the Overwatch League record for consecutive regular season victories. The previous record was held by the 2019 Vancouver Titans roster, which clashed with the Shock numerous times over the course of that season. Though the Titans took the first stage title in 2019, they were later walloped by the Shock in the season's grand finals. During the regular season, however, the Titans went on a massive win streak, which was broken by a surprise victory from the Los Angeles Valiant. With a quick sweep of the New York Excelsior on August 26th, this year's shock roster carved their place in Overwatch League history. The team has racked up 17 wins over the course of 2022 and is currently undefeated. Because the record is measured regardless of season or roster, three of the regular season wins are attributed to the 2021 shock lineup. Though this is a massive accomplishment for the Shock, the team has struggled to translate its regular season dominance into tournament wins. In the season's first tournament, the Kickoff Clash, the San Francisco Shock were eliminated relatively early considering the performance of its players during the quarterfinals. In the season's first global tournament, the Midseason Madness, the Shock managed to make it to the Grand Finals. Thanks to clutch plays from the dominant Los Angeles Gladiators roster, however, San Francisco fell to its Californian rivals with a, in a 4-2 game. The Summer Showdown may be the Shock's best chance at a stage victory, considering the Gladiators have gone 0-4 in the tournament qualifiers. San Francisco next plays the Dallas Fuel on September 2nd at 5pm CT. They then, of course, have uh, this this image uh, that was actually uh, put up on the Overwatch League broadcast this past weekend, showing the San Francisco Shock's record of wins, um, and it reads top match wins streaks regular season all time. And in first place, of course, we have the San Francisco Shock with 20 wins in a row, seasons 2021 to 2022. In second place, the Vancouver Titans with 19 in the 2019 season. In third place, the San Francisco Shock with 14 wins in the 2020 season. And from there, it goes Boston, New York, New York in 2018, 2019, and 2018 again. Now, it is kind of an interesting record because comparing that uh, that uh, second number three spot with the Boston Uprising and the two tied for number five spots with the New York Excelsior and the New York Excelsior in 2019 and 2018, um, it was kind of a, well, actually not in 2019, but it was a bit of a different landscape at the time in the 2018 season because they played so many more matches. Um, 2019, I think, was, was uh, similar. There were still a lot of matches, but I don't think uh, there were quite as many as that uh, early, early 2018 season. So anyways, congratulations to the San Francisco Shock for breaking that record. I had, you know, secretly hoped that the New York Excelsior would kind of just come out swinging and, and wallop the, well, not even wallop the San Francisco Shock, but maybe eke out a win over the San Francisco Shock somehow. Um, it certainly would have been um, a shock, <laughs> a huge surprise for them to have... Um, uh, for them to have uh, really turned that around, um, given the New York Excelsior are... Hmm, let's take a minute to check the standings here. If we pop over here to our standings page. New York Excelsior are currently in 11th overall with a record of 1-3. and three. Um, So certainly that's a, a little bit surprising uh, to see that... Uh, or that would have been very surprising to see the New York Excelsior come out on top. But hey, I had my hopes. Um, I did bet on 
not New York, but uh, I think in a week prior when they played the Gladiators. I bet on the Gladiators and the Pickums to win San Francisco, against San Francisco, sorry, just to end that streak. Of course, that did not turn out, and here we are with San Francisco now, sitting pretty, with the new record of 20 regular season wins in a row. And the fact is, that record uh, stands to be maintained even further. Um, although I don't have it up right now, I can tell you that not uh not for a couple weeks here but they will be playing uh, a weaker team or two in the coming weeks here um i do believe uh liz mentions there that they played the dallas fuel on september 2nd at uh 5 p.m ct and that of course certainly is probably the biggest uh the match with the highest potential for them to lose previously yes i definitely would have um I definitely would have said that they had to watch out for a team like the Gladiators. Obviously, that did not pan out, and here we are. Um, so now I think that Dallas is the uh, toughest opponent that San Francisco is going to face, especially in this meta where we know Dallas is very, very dominant. Um, if I look at the standings right now, San Francisco has five wins, zero losses in the Summer Showdown qualifiers. Dallas also five wins, zero losses. Now, San Francisco does has a, have a larger map differential with plus 12. Dallas only has plus nine. Um, but I think Dallas stands to be their toughest opponent. So there is a pretty significant chance that uh, Dallas could win this match up coming up on uh, Friday. And once we get to the pickums, maybe, maybe I will put my faith in Dallas and see if they can knock the uh, San Francisco shock off the top. And of course, end that winning streak, which uh, would be pretty monumental uh, given... Given the San Francisco Shock's regular season uh, record this year is literally 17 and zero, they've not lost a regular season match, um, and to that effect, obviously, they just set this new record. So uh, we'll talk more about that when I get to the pickups. So let's move on. Our final news story. That's right. This is the last news story I actually have before we dive into some other topics here. Um, is coming from August 26th over on Dexerto. This time, another article by M Michael Gwilliam, which reads, Overwatch 2 team reveals new content on the way amid special creator summit. So let's read. Overwatch 2 is finally coming out later this year, but so far players have only had a couple of betas to try out the game, and they won't be getting a third, much to their char chagrin. Chagrin, sorry. I don't know how if I've ever seen that word written down. Chagrin. Anyways. A lot of what Overwatch 2 will have to offer is going to be in the form of its revamped ranked experience and battle pass, both of which Blizzard is expected to reveal more information about. Now, with the release drawing near, Blizzard has revealed that it's hosting a special summit for content creators in preparation for the wave of new information that will be coming out. In a post on Twitter, Overwatch community manager Andy Belford explained how next week fans of content creators may notice their favorite streamers are absent. Quote, we've invited several folks to an off-site NDA creator summit, he revealed, adding that they'll be able to start talking about it next month. Of course, September starts very soon, so it's anyone's guess as to when during the month Twitch streamers and YouTubers will be able to talk, actually talk, about what they are shown. They then have uh, Andy's tweet embedded in the article there, which reads, Next week you'll see some of your fave con uh, creators are conspicuously absent. Never fear, we've invited several folks to an off-site NDA creator summit. Bracket, they'll be able to start talking about it next month. We're excited to safely meet folks face-to-face -face for the first time since 2019. As for what teases are in store, Andy didn't specify or provide any hints, but many have been speculating that the new support Fox Hero and Season 1 content will be on the docket. We're only a few weeks out from the long-awaited release of Overwatch 2, but some of the game's core features, such as its PvE story campaign, are expected to be added sometime in 2023. Basically, don't get your hopes up for any story content, but with so much in the way of new maps, modes, heroes, and cosmetics, there should be plenty for players to sink their teeth into and discover. So, of course, there's a lot of uh, little tidbits in that article there. Um, the, the big sort of bomb here was that Andy Belford tweet. Um, kind of just like a, a random, you know, seemingly a very random way to announce that this was happening, um, especially when the creators are NDA'd and everything. Andy Belford, although, you know, I follow him on Twitter and I believe he's got, you know, a couple thousand followers, certainly not, I think, a significant name he's got 6800 followers so not a huge amount um you know nowhere 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 in the ranks where i would expect someone in his position to to really be um so 
like I say, just kind of an oddball post out of out of nowhere to see him of all people being the one to say, hey, just so you know, your content creators might be a little quiet next week. Um, we're we're having a thing. Like I I really would have thought that they would uh, either either have some coordinated effort to promote this a little bit more significantly um or you know i guess the the obvious to me would be hey your creators are nda'd but in their nda have something that says on august 29th at whatever 11 59 p.m you can announce you're going to an overwatch 2 uh, uh creator summit you can't say any other details about it you can just say you're going and you can say you're excited or you're not excited right um like i don't understand why they wouldn't have done something like that because then of course you know you get the your overwatches you get the bad patchamaris you get the car cues you get the i don't know who else fran if she decides to come back to overwatch um you get xqc tim the Tatman. you get all those streamers and everything tweeting that out and that kind of drums up the hype for the fact that they're going to something um then of course you know they go they're not able to say much, but everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath. And then, of course, as Andy says, next month, they'll be able to start talking about it. Well, guess what? Next month is in literally, I mean, by the time you're hearing this, a day. It is in one day. Um, if I'm not mistaken here, let's see. By the time you're hearing this, uh, yeah, we'll, at most, will be two days out. At least, it'll already be September. So, you know, if, if he means September, then there you go. They're going to be able to talk about it very, very soon. Um, it just kind of strikes me as a little bit odd uh, that this is how they would announce it. Obviously, they're not looking to make a big pop or a big deal out of the fact that they're having this. Um, that does make me wonder, you know, what is the scale of this? What's uh, What size of creators are we talking about? Um, they do say that they've invited them to an off-site NDA creator summit, which likely means off-site, so it's not at the Blizzard campus, so they've probably rented out a hall or a warehouse or something to that extent, uh, some sort of a space. Um, doesn't necessarily sound like they're bringing those people out, um, which obviously can get costly, especially if you're flying in some international folks uh, outside of the U.S., but it does strike me as, um, okay, it's invite-only, but creators probably have to you know, pay their own way to get there, that kind of thing. So what is the, uh, you know, what is the actual size of, of creator that they're looking at, right? Most creators that are going to be willing to do that are going to have a pretty decent sized following um, because they, you know, obviously have to have the means to get out there and that kind of thing. So I do wonder, uh, you know, what exactly they're seeing and what we're about to find out. Of course, they'll be creating content from, from their trip and they'll be able to talk about it soon. So Look forward to that and keep your eyes out on all your favorite uh, Overwatch content creators there. I, of course, am reporting on this because I am not invited. Uh, I am far too small to be on the radar for something like this. However, uh, would I love to? Absolutely. If uh, Blizzard, if you're out there listening, you know, pump me up here. Give me give me, give me, me that boost and, uh, you know, bring me out to your next NDA Creator Summit and uh, I'll happily join and, uh, you know, give you some, some promotion. So there you go. And now actually... Now that we're done that story, that actually takes us to the end of uh, of our news segment of this uh, this episode. So as you can see, you know, I said it was a little bit lighter on the news this week. We're, you know, 23 minutes into the episode. So we will move on from here. We'll take a quick look at the games from this past weekend. We'll take a quick look at our pickums and the upcoming games this coming weekend. Fire it will! All right. So let's head on over. And let's recap some games from this past weekend. We'll 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 break them down just a little bit here, um, and uh, I'll comment on a few of the the games there that I did manage to catch. But we're gonna kick things off over in the eastern region with Friday, August twenty sixth, where the Chengdu Hunters beat the Hangzhou Spark three one, and this game uh, kind of solidified my um my my poor crystal ball pick in the hangzhou spark i really thought that they were going to be on top and uh once again did not pick this shanghai dragons and it seems like uh things are really turning around for the dragons so anyways hangzhou gets beat 3-1 by the chengdu hunters after that the los angeles valiant got thwomped by the seoul dynasty who took a 3-0 win over the los angeles valiant uh really kind of solidifying their first place position in the east although they are currently tied with another team we'll talk about in a minute here 
Then we jump over to the West for our first match in the uh, Western region with the London Spitfire losing to the Atlanta Reign in a 3-1 loss. So a bit of a surprising one there. Uh, London has been doing pretty well in this meta. Um, they were 2-2 going into this match. They are, of course, now 2-3. So they are now uh, now have a negative record, but they, they weren't seeming too bad. They were making it work kind of thing. Um, but now I would say, you know, it's it's kind of coming up that they might not be one of the top contenders uh, at this time in the West. Moving on from there, still on Friday, August 26th, we saw the San Francisco Shock take a 3-0 win of the New York Excelsior, and as I talked about before, uh, solidify that uh, winning record of theirs. Then our final match on Friday, August 26th, saw the Vancouver Titans taking on the Washington Justice in a uh, in a highly touted match. Now, I had a little more confidence in the Vancouver Titans on this one. I said they were going to take this 3-1. I think that was largely uh, based uh, more on, I would say, Washington's performance uh, previous I just wasn't confident in their new roster. Um, however, Washington did manage to make it go to five, and uh, ultimately Vancouver did get the win with a 3-2 record now. If I actually pull up that match, let's take a quick peek here and just see uh, what the uh, maps went. So it looks like the first map on, was on Ilios, and it went 2-0 for Washington. If I recall correctly, really looked like Washington had their their stuff together there and they were really kind of beating the vancouver titans vancouver did not look like they were going to be performing very well then we went over to midtown where the vancouver titans took it two to one uh, so neither teams managing to get the full completion there um vancouver seemingly came very very close uh towards the end there um they they really kind of did get it in that final stretch but ultimately just weren't able to uh make it work and complete it complete the map fully then over on Junkertown, the Washington Justice took it 3-0 with Vancouver getting stopped uh, before that first checkpoint even um, and, and Washington really kind of taking advantage of Vancouver's mistakes and Vancouver seeming to rely a little too much on the um, on the hero plays of, of, of people like uh, Aspire. So Then finally, we went over to New Queen Street where Vancouver took it 1-0 in a, uh, a bit of a back-and-forth match uh, or map but uh, ultimately Vancouver coming out on top. And then finally, we went over to Busan with uh, Vancouver ultimately pulling the win in a 2-1 to one map win. Um, and so that, of course, gives the Vancouver Titans the 3-2 win over the Washington Justice. Moving on from there, we go to our Saturday games in the Eastern Region on Saturday, August 27th. The Seoul Dynasty get their second win of the weekend over the Guangzhou Charge with a 3-0 win. Uh, another big win for Seoul, and that really solidifying, again, their top position in the East, uh, giving them a record of 4-0. Finally, the Hangzhou Spark get their first win of the season, uh, sorry, of the uh, tournament cycle, putting them, uh, or with a 3-1 win over the Los Angeles Valiant, which puts them, in terms of the standings, in sixth place with one win and three losses, unfortunately. One under one position under the Philadelphia Fusion. Moving on from there, still in the east, the Philadelphia Fusion lost to the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. And again, with the Shanghai Dragons, now with a 4-0 record, just like the Seoul Dynasty. Uh, only one map differential point behind the Seoul Dynasty, actually, for that number one and two spot. Moving over to the West for the Saturday, August 27th games, the Toronto Defiant 3-0'd the Boston Uprising in a relatively spectacular win. Uh, Boston looking okay um, against a team like Toronto Defiant. I don't think the Boston looked super great, actually. Um, there were a few glimpses of hope where they seemed to be pretty good and they would you know, win a fight or two in a row, maybe. Uh, but ultimately, Toronto just rolling over Boston quite a bit. Then we saw the Los Angeles Gladiators take a 3-0 win over the Paris Eternal uh, to give the Gladiators their first win of the tournament cycle. And of course, this was actually kind of an important win. The Gladiators in doing that win meant that they still cling to life in terms of making it into the, um, into the Summer Showdown uh, tournament cycle over in Toronto, Canada. Uh, sorry, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, because I'm a Canadian, so I will point out the province. Um, the sort of uh, sort of interesting part about that is that because they get that win, they, of course, stay alive and aren't eliminated completely, although I don't think any teams are eliminated completely at this point. Even Paris, who has a 0-4 and four record, I don't think 
is completely eliminated. I think they would have to win all of their next matches and Boston would have to lose all of theirs and New York would have to lose all of theirs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I digress. Gladiators clinging to life there. Um, if a couple things go their way, they could still slip into that eighth position. I would be very happy about that given I predicted the San Francisco Shock and the Los Angeles Gladiators on my Pick'em's Crystal Ball picks, um, and uh, that would really save that. However, if I look at the East, I'm also, I need some some big wins to happen over there because I picked the Seoul Dynasty and the Hangzhou Spark to uh, make it over there. So I digress. Gladiators getting their first win of the tournament cycle, big win for them. Moving on from there, our final match of Saturday, August 27th, saw the Houston Outlaws take on the Vancouver Titans, and unfortunately, the Houston Outlaws win this one in a 3-0 fashion. Um, For the Vancouver Titans fans, you know, a bit of an upsetting loss. Um, Vancouver did look like they were going to maybe have a pretty pretty strong tournament cycle. Um, They, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they still have, especially given they entered this tournament cycle with no wins on the season and they now have three wins. So they've literally gotten all of their wins from this season in this tournament cycle. If I actually jump over to the regular season standings, Vancouver quickly making a play for, I'd say that 10th spot overall in the West, um, whereas they were previously in 13th, right? Um, They've they've climbed to 11th position. So they've only gone up two spots uh, above Paris and New York respectively. Um, but they are sitting, you know, just two wins behind the Boston Uprising. So given the strength that they have this tournament, um, not only in terms of the meta, but also in terms of their schedule, there's a chance they could pull into that 10th spot if they get a couple more wins. And again, seeming that Boston, uh, does not seem to be getting those wins, uh, like Vancouver is, um, ahead of them there in ninth position is the Florida Mayhem, who I think are a little more resilient, um, Florida, really kind of, I mean, they're sitting at seven wins. Uh, Florida is one of those kind of toss-up teams, really kind of depends on who they're playing. You know, I would even, in this meta at least, I would call them a gatekeeper where they can beat most of the bottom teams, but they're not going to beat the teams that can actually play the meta to a pretty high degree. Um, So I'm thinking specifically about like Washington Justice, Vancouver Titans, these sort of more bottom, more middling teams that are just doing really well in this meta kind of thing. So... I digress. Um, that's just a little bit of my thoughts on that. Um, anyways, Houston Outlaws 3-0, the Vancouver Titans. Then we move to our final day with Sunday, August 28th, over in the east with the Guangzhou Charge getting a win over the Philadelphia Fusion. And again, Philadelphia Fusion fans cry because Guangzhou should not be beating your team. Uh, but perhaps Guangzhou is on a bit of an upward swing. They did recently sign a bunch of new players, if I'm not mistaken, um, and are looking, hopefully, pretty good they're sitting at a record of two and two after that uh again on august 28th the shanghai dragons get another 3-0 win for the weekend uh this time against the Chengdu hunters then we jump over to the west where the london spitfire lose in a 3-2 fashion to the washington justice um this one a bit of an upsetting one in terms of the standings for some other teams i would say um See, if the London Spitfire had won this one, then they would be sitting in the 6th, 5th position kind of thing, right where, um, right where, uh, even 4th actually, the 4th, 5th, 6th position is all currently 3 and 2. The 7th and 8th positions are both 2 and 3. So if London wins that match, they could be in 4th, 5th, 6th, depending on their map uh, differential, whereas the Washington Justice would be in that 7th position where the London Spitfire are, as is they are, you know, completely the opposite of what I just said. So really kind of a toss up. And again, Washington taking it to five um, and showing kind of that clutch potential that they have, even though they have that reduced roster uh, after all the significant changes that we talked about uh, in the past couple weeks. Moving on to our next Sunday match on August 28th was the Atlanta Reign against the Houston Outlaws. This time, a 3-2 win for the Houston Outlaws. So Houston coming out big winners this weekend with two wins, um, Atlanta only getting the one. But a 3-2 win over the Atlanta Reign for Houston is a pretty big deal. Um, Again, this is just like I was talking about with London and Washington. This is another battle of the uh, sort of mirroring uh, records right now. Houston Outlaws now sitting 3-2, Atlanta Reign now sitting 2-3. If Atlanta wins instead of Houston, their positions basically swap in the rankings. So this 
this sort of fourth through eighth position right now is incredibly, incredibly tight. Um, you know, all of those teams in terms of the overall points, which will qualify them for the tournament cycle, um, all of those teams are within one point of each other. So London and Atlanta in seventh and eighth are sitting at two points on the tournament cycle, whereas Washington, Vancouver, and Houston are all sitting at three points uh, in the tournament cycle. Now, if you want to expand things out from there even the toronto defiant sitting in third only have four points and the dallas fuel and san francisco shock in second and first of course are both sitting at five so all of these teams right now are very very close to one another in the uh in the standings um this is kind of an anything could happen uh you know sort of breakdown right now i would say that third through eighth spot is so tight and so close. If a couple things go wrong for the Toronto Defiant in third place there, um, and they don't get more points, suddenly Washington, Vancouver, Houston surpass them, right? All of those three teams, Washington, Vancouver, Houston, are all one point behind the Toronto Defiant. Toronto win loses a couple games, and Washington wins a couple, or Houston wins a couple, or Vancouver wins a couple, then guess what? They take that third slot. Uh, London or Atlanta, they win a couple games, causing a couple of these other teams to lose a few, then they could quickly be sitting at four points as well. So it's a very, very competitive stage so far, which is actually really interesting because a lot of people are kind of complaining about this meta um, and talking about this Junker Queen meta and saying that it's very GOATS-like and very boring to watch and things like that. Whereas it's actually, in my mind, probably one of the most competitive uh, metas we've seen. And the fact is as well, I don't even think that our top the the number one team in the tournament cycle right now i don't think is that incredible at the meta obviously they are good at it obviously they play it to a high degree obviously they're extremely well well versed um i'm talking of course of the san francisco shock but i think they also have those uh few players who have that real clutch potential where they really can carry a fight or a map or their entire team on their back um of course i'm talking about the san francisco dps lineup um but it's really interesting because I don't think they are necessarily the best. Uh, I know this this meta has been termed Jotes. So I don't actually think they're the best at the Jotes meta. I think the Dallas Fuel are actually better at the Jotes meta than the San Francisco Shock. But I think the San Francisco Shock, um, their individual pieces, uh, especially on the DPS lineup, perform at a higher uh, level than the Dallas Fuel, which, you know, what will come out on top? I mean, if you look at the Summer Showdown, it was, sorry, not the Summer Showdown, the Midseason Madness. It was actually the more coordinated, the more synergistic team that came out on top overall with the Los Angeles Gladiators, right? Los Angeles made mistakes, lost to San Francisco the day before the final. Then they make their way through the loser's bracket, a uh, couple of games there, to face the San Francisco Shock in the final. And they beat the San Francisco Shock in the final because they were able to work as a team better than the San Francisco Shock. So it could be really interesting Um given where things are at with the Dallas Fuel specifically and the San Francisco Shock. Because again, I do think Dallas is the better team at the current meta than the San Francisco Shock. I just think the San Francisco Shock has that more clutch individual player uh, potential than the Dallas Fuel. Of course, if you want to be real crazy about things, you bring in the Toronto Defiant, who are sitting in third position. Um, and I think if Toronto were to clean up the few mistakes that they do make, um, and you know those, those couple of times where they make questionable decisions, or uh, one of them gets caught out, um, or if their clutch players, um, yeah, I'm specifically talking about Hisu, I won't beat around the bush, if someone like Hisu is able to turn it on consistently, because I do think that's a bit of a problem with Hisu, um, then I think Toronto could compete with the Dallas Fuel, which in turn says to me, are they competitive with the San Francisco Shock? Maybe more so than we think, right? Um, when it comes to Hisu, just to clarify what I was saying a little bit more, I think, although I do think Hisu is consistently a good player, and I do now see why the Toronto Defiant sort of built around Hisu uh, going into this season, um, I do think that uh, he isn't always as on or competing to the same high degree as players like uh, Proper and Kilo, um, even Sam sometimes, um, or a Sparkle on the Dallas Fuel. So 
anyways, different roles, but you understand what I'm saying. So, so anyways, uh, that was, uh, I went off on a tangent there, but Houston Outlaws and Atlanta Reign. Houston takes the win 3-2. And our final match of the weekend saw the Dallas Fuel beating the Florida Mayhem in a 3-1 map win. A uh, little bit surprising. Florida got that single map. Um, Dallas, you know, for whatever reason, didn't crush them like they did uh, some other teams that they played recently. But I digress. That was your weekend in the Overwatch League. So let's move on over here, and we'll actually take a look at the upcoming week next. So I've got my pickums up. This is... Is this the final week of the tournament cycle? Let me take a look here. We've got September 2nd through September 4th. September 2nd through September 4th. It is indeed our final weekend of the tournament cycle. Okay, so let's look at things here. We're going to start things off in the Eastern region. Week 4, Friday, September 2nd, with the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Guangzhou Charge. And let's just take a peek at our standings. Right now, we have the Chengdu Hunters in 3rd place with 2-2, two and two, and the Guangzhou Charge in 4th place with 2-2 two and two as well. And of course, if we look at this past weekend, the Chengdu Hunters beat the Hangzhou Spark and then lose to the Shanghai Dragons. Meanwhile, the Guangzhou Charge lose to the Seoul Dynasty and then beat the Philadelphia Fusion. So this is kind of a kind of an interesting one, actually. Um, I think in my mind, I got to give it to the Chengdu Hunters. I think they are the better, more well-rounded team. Um, they've struggled a little bit this season, but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them be a little more competitive, um, especially given they have uh, this past uh, season's MVP and leave on their team. So I'm giving it to the Chengdu Hunters. Next up, we have the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. Why do I feel like I just talked about Valiant losing to them? Oh, they lost to Seoul 3-0. Um, and then, of course, uh, Shanghai beat Philadelphia and Chengdu. So I'm going to give that to Shanghai 3-0. No, no discount there. Um, I'm going to actually do the Eastern Region first. Then on Saturday, the third, the Guangzhou Charge, take on the Hangzhou Spark. And if I look at the Hangzhou, not Hangzhou... Hangzhou Spark lost to Chengdu and then beat the Valiant. Meanwhile, Guangzhou, as I just mentioned, lost to Seoul and beat Philly. Little bit of an interesting one there, given both of these teams are not doing great. I think Hangzhou is doing worse. I would like Hangzhou to get a win here because that would actually put them up to... I mean, if they get a win over Guangzhou, then Guangzhou goes 2-3 and three and Hangzhou becomes two and three as well Ooh, interesting interesting that could swap hangzhou from sixth to fourth okay i'm giving it to hangzhou because i need them to win i'm gonna say it's a three two uh guangzhou seemingly doing well this past uh this past uh weekend so or better than they have been at least i don't know why i'm putting faith in hangzhou because they've really not been doing well and they have been struggling quite a bit but i'm giving it to them Finally, we see the, uh, sorry, not finally, this is not our final match in the East, but we then see the Chengdu Hunters take on the Los Angeles Valiant. Of course, um, the Hunters getting a win over Hangzhou and then a loss against the Shanghai Dragons. Meanwhile, the Valiant getting uh, served against the Seoul Dynasty and then also beat by Hangzhou. So I think I got to give this to Chengdu. I'm going to go three, I'll give them a pity point, give it three, one. Finally, the Seoul Dynasty take on the Philadelphia Fusion to close out Saturday in the East, and that's going to be 3-0 for the Seoul Dynasty. Then on Sunday, September 4th, the Hangzhou Spark take on the Philadelphia Fusion in our double points uh, match. That could be an interesting one. I'm going to put my faith in Hangzhou. I'm going to give Philly one map. I think Philly is struggling worse than Hangzhou in this meta. Then finally, the Shanghai Dragons take on the Seoul Dynasty in what should be a match for the ages. I'm going to give it to Seoul and actually say they get it 3-1. I feel it. I feel it in my bones that Seoul is the more dominant force to be reckoned with here. And I, to be fair as well, I actually I've wanted Seoul to do well this, this whole uh, season. So I'm giving it to Seoul. Now let's get on to the Western region where we will close out the Summer Showdown qualifier matches. So... Looking at things here, on Friday, September 2nd at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, the Los Angeles Gladiators take on the Atlanta Reign. Oh, man. Why has this got to be so hard on me? Let's see. Let's see. Atlanta beat London this past weekend, and they then lost to Houston. Meanwhile, the Gladiators have been struggling to the nth degree and are 
beat Paris. And is that it? They only had one match this past weekend. That's correct. Okay, let's take a look. Who else have they lost to? See, Atlanta only has one more win than them. That's the thing. I'm curious who Atlanta has beaten that the Gladiators have not. Atlanta beat Paris. Is it, what is, what is this? What am I looking at here? Hang on. What weekend was this? Was this the past weekend? Uh, what weekend are we on would be the more pertinent question. Okay, so the week 17 was this past weekend where the Gladiators beat Paris. And then if we go back a week to week 16, we will see that who beat Paris? Was it Atlanta beat Paris? Atlanta beat Paris. Okay, so both teams have beaten Paris. Great. Meanwhile, Gladiators lose to Toronto. Gladiators lose to San Francisco. And Atlanta uh, only had the one match that weekend. So Atlanta beat Paris. And then I think the pat their, their second win was this past weekend. Am I right? No, it was not. Oh, yes, it was against London. Okay. And did Glads get beat by London? Hmm. I think I have to give it to Atlanta, honestly. Uh, as much as I don't want Atlanta to get the win, I would rather the Gladiators get the win because that potentially sets them up to move into that eighth position um, if they become two and four because then the Atlanta Reign become two and four as well. Um, so I'm going to give it to the Reign. Oh, I want Glads to win, but I'm giving it to the Reign. I think the Reign have the edge here. It feels really risky. That's a tough match to call, honestly, because both teams are struggling in this meta. Anyways, moving on. 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. The New York Excelsior take on the Paris Eternal. I do think New York will get this, and I'm going to give it... I'll give Paris their first map with their new roster. What the heck? Paris not having a good go of it since uh, blowing up their roster and moving to a primarily North American roster in preparation for the uh, the, the, the geographical change upcoming. Um, so I'm giving it to New York 3-1. Moving on from there, at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, the San Francisco Shock take on the Dallas Fuel. And I'm going to do it, I'm going to call it 3-2 for the Dallas Fuel. I think the Shock's reign of terror ends here. All right, moving on. We then go to Saturday, September 3rd at 1 p.m. with the match being the Florida Mayhem taking on the Paris Eternal. And I think Florida will take this. I'll give them another pity map for Paris. No, I'm not even giving them that. I'm going to say, mm, see, the thing is, Hmm. Yeah, I'll give it to Florida 3-0. Um, I'm giving them the map against New York because New York is a lesser team than Florida. But both teams are... I mean, they're literally 10th and 11th this season. So, But overall, I think Florida's a better team. Anyways, I digress. Moving on from there, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. We have the Washington Justice taking on the Houston Outlaws. Now, that match is interesting as well. Washington Justice and Houston Outlaws, hey? Huh. Washington right now is a really tough team predict, to predict. They beat London. They wash, They lost to Vancouver. Houston beats Vancouver, beats Atlanta. Oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. As much as I hate to say it, I'm going to give it to Washington 3-2. I think it'll be a tight match, but I think Washington could come out on top. I might end up changing that before the day rolls around. I digress. After that, the Vancouver Titans are going to thwomp the Boston Uprising. Yeah, in a 3-1. I was going to say I'm going to give Vancouver or I'm going to give Boston Boston a uh, pity point there, but I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to give it to Vancouver 3-0. After that, we move on to Sunday, September 4th with our final few matches of the regular uh, summer showdown qualifier matches. With the Toronto Defiant taking on the London Spitfire where they're going to where Toronto's going to win it 3-0 confident in toronto using this as a practice match to really thwomp the london spitfire then we close out the tournament cycle qualifiers with the florida mayhem getting a three i'll give it a three one win over the new york excelsior and i'm locking in those predictions right now so there you have it those are my preds for the final week four of the summer showdown qualifiers heading up to Toronto for the Summer Showdown Tournament. Now, now that we're all done with that, uh, as I mentioned, I want to do something fun. So bear with me a sec while I get things all rearranged. Acknowledged. Okay, so as I mentioned here, what we are looking at for the rest of this episode, before I close things out, although we've reached, you know, 49 minutes, we're doing actually quite well. Um, 
I want to actually go through the rest of the Toronto Defiance season because there isn't a ton left to go through, and I want to see where I predict the Toronto Defiant ending things out. So right now, on this season as a whole, Toronto is 10 wins and 7 losses. So, ultimately, I think uh, this Summer Showdown tournament cycle, I do think that they're going to do well. Um, I think there's a high possibility they wind up 3rd in the uh, overall in the West. Um, I think the two teams they need to watch out for, obviously, are the San Francisco Shock and the Dallas Fuel. Um, other teams that are potentially putting them at risk um, are, of course, the Washington Justice, as well as the Vancouver Titans, um, and I would even say the Houston Outlaws as well. Houston seeming to have turned things around this uh, this stage a little bit. Vancouver and Washington are sort of wild cards in that they've faced each other, and obviously Vancouver came out on top, but I do think Washington has performed better since losing to Vancouver. Um, so really hard to say what happens there. And Vancouver, of course, don't forget, taking Toronto to uh, the full five maps, and Toronto only edging out the win just barely at the end there. So I do want to make that clear that although I think Toronto has potential to place top three in this uh, Summer Showdown tournament, um, I think there is a chance they go out seventh six well let's call it sixth i'd say they don't get less than sixth um but i'm hopeful very hopeful for top three so without further ado week 18 september 4th at 1 p.m on sunday and i believe that would be mountain time my local time they will play against the london spitfire now i've already said i think they're going to win that match so that puts them immediately at 11 and 7 okay that closes out the summer showdown right so then, of course, after the Summer Showdown ends, we go into our final tournament cycle of the uh, of the um, Overwatch League Season 5 season in the Countdown Cup qualifiers. Those kick off on September 22nd, I believe, which is a Thursday, where the Toronto Defiant do play, and they will play the Atlanta Reign. That's a hard match to call because Atlanta, of course, struggling in this meta, but we know the meta is going to change uh, probably pretty drastically. Um, based on comments that we discussed from from uh, game director Aaron Keller in our previous episode of One Man Watchpoint, uh, we know the Junker Queen meta will be going away, or at least we know that Junker Queen is going to see pretty significant nerfs, um, which will likely mean the meta shifts away from her. So if that means Toronto's not as strong, and that means Atlanta has even a slight increase in how well they've been performing um i think the decrease to toronto and the increase to atlanta could mean that atlanta gets the edge in that so if i was saying 11 and 7 a second ago for the toronto defiant then i'm going to say they go to 11 and 8 there um, against the atlanta rain after that they play the new york excelsior i think they can win that no matter what the meta is i just don't think new york is that strong of a team so um Oh man, this is going to be hard to keep track of. I'm actually going to pull something out to write this down. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I reworked how I was going to do this. I actually went through the matches and I, I just charted it out here. So anyways, as I was saying there, I think they get uh, the W against London, puts them 11 and 7. I think they get the L against Atlanta, which puts them 11th and 8th. Then I think they get a W against the New York Excelsior because I don't think no matter what the meta is, New York is strong enough to beat a team like the Toronto Defiant. So that puts them at 12 and 8. After that, week 22, Friday, September 30th, they play the San Francisco Shock. Now, San Francisco, obviously, as we know, in any meta is strong. And I think they could, I think even in this meta, which seems to be Toronto Defiant's strongest meta, I think the San Francisco Shock still beat them. So I have to give them an L against the San Francisco Shock, which puts them at 12 and 9. Moving on from there, October 2nd, uh, a few days after that match, they play the Vancouver Titans again. Now, Vancouver, although they look strong in this meta, and although they look like they have brought in some good pieces, making some good changes after uh, uh, head coach Depay has come in and, and potentially you know gotten his way a little bit with the team, um, I just don't see Vancouver being that strong of a team um, outside of this meta. So uh, again, although they have some good pieces and they're making some good strides, I don't think they beat the Toronto Defiant. So I'm putting it as a W against Vancouver, putting the Toronto Defiant at 13-9. and After that, they play the Florida Mayhem. Florida, 
one of the more question mark teams, right? Of of the teams I've mentioned so far, Florida has gone up and gone down overall, you know, a number of times throughout the season. If I look at Florida on the regular season, they're sitting seventh and ninth, right? Um, they do have a worse record than Toronto, but that's largely on Toronto doing so well in the summer showdown right now. So Toronto sitting at 10th and 7th. Toronto overall is 5th right now, which is really good for Toronto, um, whereas Florida is sitting 9th in 7th and 9th. Ultimately, I think Toronto has the more consistent team, and I think Toronto plays at the same level more consistently than Florida. Florida, like I say, has these peaks and these valleys, um, seemingly. So I'm going to give Toronto the win over Florida with a 14-9 and record. Then in their final match of the season on October 16th, after Overwatch 2 has come out, of course, although all of these games are after Overwatch 2 has come out, these past few I've talked about, but I digress. Um, After that, on October 16th, they play the Houston Outlaws to close out their season. Houston, I think, has been a consistently good team this season. As much as it pains me to say, um, and as much as Houston has been struggling a little bit lately, I think that Houston just looks like they do overall understand things, how to play the game. They have the right pieces, or at least some of the right pieces, um, and they're able to make it work. Even when they have some setbacks, which we've seen you know, specifically in the summer showdown, it seems like whatever they're doing in practice and scrims, whatever coaching they're doing, whatever practice they're doing, that kind of stuff is paying off and they're able to figure it out and in a lot of ways kind of make it work. Right now on the regular season overall, Houston is sitting 12-5 and five ahead of Toronto in 5th. Uh, Houston in 4th, Toronto in 5th. So ultimately, I think this could be a bit of a toss-up. This could be very dependent on the meta, very dependent on the success that they're already having in the tournament cycle. Uh, Like I said, Toronto at this point would be coming off of two wins um, and a loss against San Francisco right before that. Houston, I don't know. I haven't looked at their schedule that far ahead, but ultimately, I think this one could go either way, but I put it as a loss against Houston, meaning Toronto ends their season with a 14-10 and record. If we look at the top four teams right now um it's kind of a interesting story san francisco is sitting at 17 and 0 so they're the outlier obviously los angeles gladiators in second place are sitting at 11 and 6th they don't even have that many wins just yet whereas dallas fuel in third have 14 a record of 14 and 3 so both the number one and the number three team right now already have more wins than those 14 wins that i think toronto could end out the season with at the same time the gladiators are sitting at 11 and the houston outlaws are sitting at 12 they like houston only needs two more wins to get up to 14 glads only need three more but glads have you know not necessarily had as stellar a record uh, during the qualifiers, um, but they've done really well in the tournaments, which is carrying them in terms of the points. So overall, I kind of think that Toronto probably probably doesn't move too much from where they are in the standings. Now, the only, uh, sorry, if we're basing this on win-loss, the only caveat to that is how they perform in the summer showdown. Because again, in the summer showdown, you earn points that count towards your regular season, which is why, again, a team like the Los Angeles Gladiators is in second place, even though they have less wins than first and third, uh, and actually even fourth. And that's also why the Houston Outlaws are sitting where they are, because although they haven't made it to you know the top few selections of these tournaments, they have consistently made it deep. The Atlanta Reign, sitting with nine wins and eight losses, almost an even season, are actually sitting at the same number of points as Toronto with 12 points. Um, they're in sixth, but only because they have less one less loss than the Toronto Defiant. Um, Atlanta, of course, being one of the most consistent teams to make it into these tournaments. So anyways, there's some really interesting stuff going on here. It's going to come down to points rather than wins and losses um, when you're talking this sort of probably top six, maybe top seven range. Um and because of that, I think Toronto, I think, honestly, Toronto sitting in fifth right now is might be kind of accurate to where they end their season. Again, summer showdown notwithstanding, because it's summer showdown, they could get some serious league points. Um, and as long as they don't totally bomb the final, uh, uh, the countdown cup qualifiers, 
you know, hopefully they at least make it into that tournament site. Oh, is there a tournament? There might not be a tournament, actually, because it goes into grand finals. Um, but I digress. I think Toronto could... I'm going to say they could finish as high as three and as low as sixth. I don't think I... I don't think I see them dropping below sixth, given, again, their... I don't want to say strength of schedule, because they don't have necessarily an easy schedule. There are some potentially tough matches in there. Um, you know, there's Atlanta, there's San Francisco, there's Houston. It's almost it's almost an even schedule, I would say. They've got, you know, three probably easier wins, and then they've got three probably tougher wins. You know, if we look at that final tournament cycle... Um, it's actually pretty easy to chart these in terms of difficulty, right? You probably figure New York is the easiest team to beat. Vancouver is after that. That could easily be meta-dependent, but let's go New York, Vancouver. Then you get to the Florida Mayhem, who have a chance to win, but probably aren't expected. Then you have the Houston Outlaws, who are probably expected, but have a chance to lose. Then you have the Atlanta Reign, who consistently, outside of the Summer Showdown, have performed at a very high degree, and are probably get the edge over Toronto. And then you have the San Francisco Shock, who you're probably expected to lose against. So I digress. That's kind of where I see them placing. I'm going to actually write that down. I'm going to I'm gonna mark this stuff down and bring it up to discuss later on. Uh, TO, I'm going to say, uh, let's go TO, high as three. Let's go TO, low as... I'm going to put six. I don't want to see them drop to seven. I think they hit six. Um, or at least uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's that's where they end up. So that's going to be that. And with that, I think we're we're all finished, actually. So uh, let's take things on over to the outro. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of One Man Watchpoint. That was, of course, episode 85 of One Man Watchpoint. And One Man Watchpoint is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM, and again, if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Please follow me on Twitter, reach out to me there, you can tweet at me, you can DM me, whatever you've got, bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, queries, whatever you've got for the show as they relate to the Overwatch world as a whole, uh, Blizzard games, or just games in general. I want to bring your stuff onto the show, I want to talk about it, give you a little more insight into who I am, throw in a little bit about yourself, why not, and, and I'll talk about that as well and give you my thoughts on that as well. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and again, reach out to me over on Twitter at SirDRJM. If you can't get enough of my voice, please check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, available on podcast services everywhere as well. This has been episode 85 of One Man Watchpoint, and we are signing off. Join me.